I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun, for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to a new episode of the True Blue LA podcast. I'm Jacob Birch coming to you from Kansas City uh, after being in LA for quite a while. Eric Steven, you're with me. You're still in LA. I'm in. Uh, I'm in a, uh, a slightly shakier West Covina, uh, about less than ten miles from an earthquake. Uh, it was like a four point four <laughs> earthquake in Laverne. I know. Doesn't my, even count. my general rule is if it's under six, I don't want to hear about it. Yeah. But it was. It was. I felt it. I usually don't feel them. But like that was pretty. It just you know. Just, it uh, is. It is interesting how good you get at predicting both the um, the Richter scale rating and how far away it was. Uh, I in Kansas City had an earthquake uh, that oh. was in near Oklahoma City his a year or two ago, um, and I it was. I was. It was like one in the morning. I'm working, and I just see my monitor kind of slowly sway. And I'm like, uh-huh. oh, it's probably a five that's far away earthquake. Went back to typing. I'm like, wait, I don't live in California anymore. I'm crazy. I don't. I'm a, like, am I delirious? And then I googled, and no, there there was. You know, fracking does weird things. So there was it, an earthquake, and I, but I nailed a, it. It was like a five point two. You know, a thirteen point seven <laughs> in California that you you felt. <laughs> uh. Don't worry, the rock will save us all. Well, that's, a big one. that's good. So, yeah, I was in L.A. for a while, which sounds like prime opportunity for you and I to record an in-person episode, which we've wanted to do for a while. But yeah. I can't – it is difficult for me to travel with my recording equipment. So it, it actually never happens. It actually means we take a couple of weeks off like we did this time. Uh, but good news on that front. My I brought up the fact that uh, this was a problem you and I have to my dad, and he mentioned that he is very excited – to record us live my dad's an oh. audio engineer so the next time in L- i'm in la it'll probably be during the off season you and i have to uh have to actually do this in person thing for once I, I i would totally want to do it It just didn't work out this last time we did get together one day we uh, did we, we went to, go to a podcast show. recording sort of yeah jimmy jimmy pardo <laughs> uh, and yeah never not funny that was fun uh, with Jacob and his dad and Craig, so we could have had like everything there. Like, had we just brought had recording equipment, like your dad could have recorded. We, could we have would have hit the explicit tag, but every oh, minute. Oh, yeah. no, no, no question about that. But that's just a normal podcast for yeah. us. So, so the what a strange 
the Dodgers had a had a very strange two <laughs> weeks while we've been gone. So I I went to Kenley's first game back, so the opening game against the Cardinals, and was starting to think of the podcast, um, not knowing if you and I were going to record or not. And I'm like, man, the narrative is going to be really, really uh, no clutch hitting. The bullpen's a mess. Nothing's really clicking. And nothing will cure you like a series against the Padres. So kind of the yeah. tale of two teams. Granted, a lot of that does have to do with the level of competition they're f- uh, facing. But a lot of it also might just be kind of like dumb luck. W- what do you think of this? Yeah, I, I think, too, a part of this, like, since we took two weeks off, so we haven't recorded in three weeks. So uh, you, I know... People listening kind of know what's up, but just in case, um, since we last recorded, Kenley was coming back from, um, he had another uh, regular heartbeat incident in Denver. Uh, yeah, I guess that uh, would have been like right, right after our last <laughs> yeah, episode. Yeah, it was literally like two, like a day or two after we recorded. Like, um, So like this all happened and the aftermath since recording last. So um, yeah, it was the first game in Denver. Um, he had a regular heartbeat. He had this in 2012. He had a surgical procedure then. He had um, like a high blood pressure thing in 2015. Wasn't as serious, but it's still like he was unavailable in Denver. And so um, he didn't have to go. He he's on. Well, he was on medication. I think he's off of it now. If I read, uh, I think Bill Plunkett reported that today. Uh, but there was a thought that he, if he had to go on like blood thinners, he'd be out like four to six weeks, um, which would have been you know bad. But you know when you're dealing with this, it's like. The baseball seems so like secondary for sure, but um, Kenley actually only missed ten games. It was I think it was like eleven days total on the DL, um, but it was like a disaster when he was gone. Like, um, and we'll we'll get to that. Uh, but um, so it all sort of came to a head. Uh, they had after the All Star break. We talked about this before. They had seventeen games in seventeen days. It was against really good teams. That schedule didn't let up after the off day. Um, and so they, they basically, if you count the giants, which at the time they were more contending than they are now, um, it, it, 32 straight games after the also break against contending teams. And they only went 14 and 18. So that was rough. And as a result, like basically, uh, you know, they got passed in the standings. They, they spent like the majority of July in first place. And now like, as we record this, they're in third, they're, they're like holding their own, like, uh, but then they're also they're ahead of Philadelphia in the wildcard race. But like um, Colorado, uh, the Brewers and the Cardinals are all ahead of them in the um, in the wildcard race. So it's 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 one of those things where they're like hanging around. But also uh, it's always tough when you have more teams to, to chase than just like one. So it's very it, it's in a very precarious position. But like you said, they they uh, last week was weird. You saw the. A series against the Cardinals, or at least one of the games, mm-hmm. they got swept by the Cardinals, who are just like red hot under Mike Schilt, their new manager. Uh, after they fired Matheny, they just kind of took off, and Matt Carpenter's been like hitting the daylights out of the ball. Um, uh, and then they had an off day. Kershaw's ping pong challenge, as we all are going to refer to it as the turnaround of the season. Uh, no, then they they played the Padres, and miraculously, the Dodgers' fortunes turned <laughs> up. Uh, so Scored about three hundred runs. Right, and then they 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 have a quick two gamer in Texas, which is the shortest road trip they've ever had, because um, they come right back home for a homestand after this. But they, as we're recording, they beat Texas the first game, so they won four straight. So as gloomy as things were, they got down as far as four and a half games, but they're they're going to end Tuesday no no worse than two and a half games out of first. So uh, it could be as as low as one and a half. It might be you know same as two and a half, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, you sort of <clears throat> hinted at it by calling gloomy, uh, but I just want to mention the power outage. So I was, <laughs> this was the day I flew home. I think. Uh, no. No. Wait. Maybe. No. The power. The power outage was Saturday. Okay. Then not at all. Yeah. I don't know where I was. Where was I? Hmm. Oh, I was. You're... I know where I was, but I was not not near a computer and not near a TV. You're basically the Great Gatsby. It's hard to keep track. You're yeah. you're out in the battle all the time. That's um, fair. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's weird because it's the second power outage this season. Like they had one earlier, uh, it was the end of July where, a, like a Mylar balloon, like, uh, I think ran into like a transformer and shorted everything out. And like, uh, the power went out. It's one of those things you're at the stadium. I wasn't at that game, the first one, but I was at Saturday's uh, game and 
the power outage is it's like boom everything's dark but then like immediately stuff starts coming back on but then like the lights themselves are like uh the stadium lights they, those take like 15 20 minutes so that's what you're really waiting on but like um it, the saturday it was jarring it uh, first of all the game was in the 12th inning um Justin Turner was coming to the plate. There's one out and a guy on second. And before like even a pitch was thrown, it was like 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 scary dream pitch black. That's how dark it was. Like it was like mm-hmm. like like so like someone literally like unplugged Earth at that point. Like that's what it felt like. Um, and it was like that for like I want to say like five seconds. I went back and um, and watched the video, uh, and it was like it was pretty crazy. Um, and it was like it was about five seconds, but then like you know slowly like everyone's cell phone light goes on, uh, everything was out like there was no internet for a, like a few minutes, but everyone's like on their phones and stuff, and then like some auxiliary like scoreboard stuff was going on, so you had like this artificial light going, and it was just very odd. And then uh, <laughs> so eventually the power came back on, and then literally one pitch after they had like a twenty minute wait. Um, and then the first pitch, uh, Justin Turner like lofted a fly ball that landed in no man's land, like in between uh, three fielders down the right field line. And Matt Kemp was like tagging at second base, but the Padres like once they couldn't catch it, um, it was Hosmer at first and Spangenberg at second. They were like they both had their back to infield, and neither of them like turned around. They're just like, oh, we didn't catch it. Game over. And like if they just sort of like turned around, they would have noticed that Matt Kemp had like no. Uh, no chance to score like on it, but he just kept running because like they weren't paying attention. <laughs> so the Dodgers got like the, the weirdest win of the week. So that that's what kind of week it's been. I, I, they'll probably take that over the sewer outage they had in preseason. Oh right, exactly. <laughs> See, and we 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 should have known like how weird the season was going to be when that was the last like uh, spring training game, and they had to cut it short early because like uh, there was like a a dirty water leak or how I forget exactly how they termed that, but it was like, it was, it was nasty. Um, they were using squeegees and it smelled pretty dank. So, so yeah. speaking of power outages during that Cardinal series and even kind of before that, there was a lot, the Dodgers just didn't look right on a number of ways, but I think the two things that are very quick to point out, uh, are the struggles of the bullpen, specifically Kenley, and the offense, specifically with hitting with runners in scoring position, sort of clutchiness, I think, as uh, Eno Saris called it. Uh, do you, you want to talk about that? We can talk start about uh, start on the runners in scoring position. Is this something sure. we should be worried about? I would bring, brought up the standings because Dodgers are a game and a half back right now, um, depending on how the, the Arizona game goes. Um, and I just glance over because I'm on ESPN standings. So the Dodgers are currently in the lead of the National League in run differential. Like, this is... Right. There's a lot of years where, like, geez, the Dodgers may or may not barely make the playoffs. This is not a team that can win the World Series. But when I think of this team, like, especially when Stripling comes back and could, has the potential pitch out of the bullpen, uh, Kenta Maeda out of the bullpen is very exciting. You have to assume that Kenley is going to figure this out. Um the Dodgers, top to bottom, the entire 25-man roster, other than maybe a few of the bullpen arms, look really exciting. But it just it hasn't seemed to click for long enough, except when they play, say, the Padres. So should we be worried, or is this just kind of a fluky thing? I mean, yes and no, because like you can't undo what's already like been sort of whatever like luck they've had. You can't undo that. So it's not like you expect it to even out over the last like month. You know, it's like they're already kind of screwed from that regard that like no matter how you look at it and, you know, part of it might be luck, but part of it like they uh, it's hard to it's hard to say luck like when like, I don't know if this is anecdotal, but like you watch like a, a middle middle fastball or swing through it and uh, and in like a key situation. I know that's this is like so dumb and anecdotal, but like that seems to happen a lot. Uh, but yeah, so the basic thing is like. They've grouped their um, their like average um, you know runs is pretty good like relatively to the rest of the league uh, even after the All Star break but like they basically grouped them in like a, a very select few games and then like they've really struggled in the other ones so um, before the Padres series like they, that was that fourteen and eighteen stretch um, they had uh, one uh, one twenty one run game. Uh, an 11 run game and a 12 run game 
and then like they had 16 games of three runs or less. So like half of them were were like you know not unwinnable, but they only won one of those games. And like even like MLB wide, usually they would I think that uh, just on MLB averages they would have won like three. So even in the the games they might have you might luck out a two one win now and then. Like they weren't even getting that. So um, yeah, it's just been bad. Uh, I look up uh, this also. The, by the way, we should mention this was a question from Brandon Johnson. He, uh, I know you mentioned the, the two areas already, but uh, can you pinpoint two specific areas as to why the team is not performing at the level? And that's this is basically where we're at. So the first one, obviously, is the offense, and it's runners in scoring position. I know it, like for me, everyone always complains about runners in scoring position, no matter the result. <laughs> I like, had so- I had this exact conversation with my brother during the game because we, you know, like you mentioned, we watched Chris Trailer swing through a middle middle with base load or whatever it was. I forget the yeah. exact situation, and I said, well. I don't know have the stats on me, and I'm sure you do, so I'm excited to hear them because I was going to look them up after we recorded either way. But, you so, know, everyone complains about this. Don't worry about it. It's fine. But maybe maybe I'm wrong. I mean, it, it can. It is a problem, and it can be. But, like, the thing is, it's always, a fit, like, something to look at because that's outside of home runs. That's basically how you score. I mean, like, you have to, you have to group together hits or – or something, and then like that's it's just how it is. And like you know, if you if you don't hit with runners in scoring position, you're really not going to score. Um, it tends to even out, but like I said, um, so like this is before I didn't totally factor in um, uh, Tuesday night's game, which they were actually pretty good. They scored eight runs against Texas, uh, but just this counts the Padres series. So they're uh, with runners in scoring position this month. They're two forty nine, three thirty five, four forty three. That's actually like pretty much their seasonal line like overall MLB as a whole was like 263 342 427 so uh they're slightly less on base less uh, lower average uh but more power with runners scoring position so they've been like relatively fine overall and then what I always look at is like opportunities because I think that's where it tends to even out or you you think it can like they're eight in the in, in uh in August in uh plate appearances with under scoring positions. So like they're, they're getting opportunities and like the, the way you sort of get out of a run, uh, uh, runners in scoring position slump is like, just by keep putting runner, more runners out there. And then just like, you think it'll even out over time. Um, you know, just, you're going to hit how you hit pretty much. Um, so if they keep giving themselves opportunities, they'll be fine. But the problem, like I mentioned, they group those games together um, those games, the, the 21 run game, the 12 run game, and the 11 run game, um, three of the games um, uh, this month, they had 22 hits in runners in scoring position. They only had 50, uh, 55 hits in 24 games uh, overall. So outside of those three games where they lumped everything together, they're hitting 178 in those situations. So that's an issue, and that's why they had those low scoring games. And it seems like it, uh, everything down the stretch, like uh, in games, is like not going their way. Um, you mentioned Fangraphs. It was actually Jeff Sullivan who wrote it mm. about uh, the clutch and how Fangraphs has a clutch rating. It's basically per- uh, measuring your performance in like close and late situations. I don't have the exact definition in front of me, but there's an article and I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, but yeah, like they have a, a clutch measurement. It's batting and pitching, and it's measured in runs. Um, and it might, be, uh, it might be wins, yeah. Real quick, Eno Saris did write an article, but it was for The Athletic. Oh, oh okay, I got you. I, got I just you. wanted to make sure I wasn't crazy. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and so the basic thing is the Dodgers have been the worst. Enough to where two very good writers decided to write about it. Right. Recently. So, like, things are just going bad. And, like, I, I've mentioned sort of the offense now, uh, like, up to this point. Um, and then... But the other half of that is the oh actually before I go into the bullpen the the other thing is like weirdly like the Dodgers like out of nowhere just like almost decided to start stealing more like yeah um, <laughs> they, they, like they stole thirty two bases in the first four months of the season two in July um, and then in August they have twenty eight steals like <laughs> in, in at a thirty one attempt so like they're they're like they're basically like Tim Raines uh, <laughs> this month. Uh, and like, but the weird thing is about those steals. So like literally every steal gets you in scoring position. If you're not already there, um, the Dodgers of those 28 steals, only four have scored. So like, 
I, I looked it up over the weekend, and uh, yeah, so they're um, uh, three for twenty-six, I think, with earners scoring position and with like eleven strikeouts. So they've done nothing with those steals. So it's been really bad. Um, so that's like the offensive side, but it's it's also on the pitching side. We mentioned like Kenley was out. So when he was out, like the problem, we've always talked about this, like the problem with the Dodger bullpen is always like the getting the bridge to Kenley Jansen. Um, but without Kenley, it was just like they, they just were scrambling to like sort of finish games. Like he, the way it was, Scott Alexander was like basically pitching his way into being like sort of the eighth inning guy. He doesn't, he's not much of a platoon split guy. He's a big ground ball guy. So he was going to pitch basically the eighth inning a lot. And then he had a couple sort of, uh, misfires uh when jansen was out but so they had like um this stretch so kenley had the um irregular heartbeat when they started a series on a thursday in colorado that started a seven game stretch where um seven different relievers either gave up the time run the or the go-ahead run um in the seventh inning or later like and this is seven days yeah. seven different relievers so it's like it's like they took literally took turns like in Look, you can get mad at like Dave Roberts all you want for like, oh, we should have brought in this guy. No matter who he was bringing in, like everyone took a turn in the barrel, um, and it was just it was really bad. They won, they actually won two of those games, um, because the uh, in the one game in Colorado uh, they came back with a rally of their own, and then one of the games the the lead was a, a Caleb Ferguson who had, who's been basically lights out. Uh, allowed a three run homer, and that only tied the game. The Dodgers ended up winning later, but then. Um, they Kenley wasn't quite back yet. Dylan Floro had had a walk off balk in Seattle, mm-hmm. uh, and then all of a sudden, this is when uh, Jacobs in LA and Kenley says, "You know what? I want to pitch in front of Jacobs." So <laughs> I and I was come- really excited. It was a tie game. I was really yeah. excited. I was telling my I was with my brother and my dad telling them, and I have a question about this later. That on my baseball bucket list is to attend a twenty inning game, and that I felt I'm like, I'm like uh-huh. this is it. This is the game. This is this is it. And I'm like, Kenley's coming in. That's at least good for two innings. Uh, Dodgers offense is horrible, so that's at least good for two innings. And I was excited to get there. That that's not what happened. So, but and then, so we were we did the thing on the Monday, and that was Kenley's first game. He allowed two home runs like in a tie game that lost that game. Two days later was when you went, and that was no. Awesome I, I went walk-off. Monday. I went Monday. Oh, after our thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Okay. Oh, wait. Maybe I'm just no. It, we two had different a week, Mondays. Week I think. Before. Yeah, 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 you're right. See, it's been so long since yeah. we recorded that I, I'm all out of it. But I did. So I went that first game. game, and I saw both home runs. <laughs> yeah. The, the amount of cra- it was fun. This is a you know get, getting to do this and and not just Dodger Stadium. I go to plenty of away games. This happens at every baseball stadium. But just yes. seeing what ways of crowd like when they all pick, um, a pretty good amount. People were leaving after. Like in the bottom of the ninth, which was really confusing. It's like, why did you stay for the top? You know, um, peep, yeah. Uh, and then the first home run was a pretty good trickle, and the second one was the death knell. And we were we were pretty lonely in the crowd by that point. Yeah, and that was another. Uh, uh, the I think Matt Carpenter hit that second one, and like he, that's just classic Matt Carpenter. Yep. <laughs> um, but then, so two days later. Um, uh, Walker Buehler, seven scoreless innings. They were leading one nothing. This was like one of those things where it's always a combo thing. It's never you can almost never blame a loss on one thing or one person. It's always like a like the fact that the bullpen had to protect such a lead this small was because the offense wasn't coming through. So it was a one nothing game. Scott Alexander gave up the tying home run in the eighth, and then Kenley Jansen came in in the ninth in a tie game and gave up a two run home run in the Cardinals one again. And then uh, on the night where um, the power went out at Dodger Stadium. That was in the 12th inning, but three innings earlier, the Dodgers led four to three, and Kenley just came in again, and this time in a safe situation, and he allowed a game-tying home run. It got so bad to where, um, well, it's the first time he's ever given up three home runs or three uh, home runs in three straight games ever. Uh, it was only the fourth time he's ever given up runs in three straight games. He actually gave up another run tonight in a in a blowout. Uh, oh yeah, you're right, and so. Uh, so it's four straight uh, games for the first time ever he's allowed runs. So it got to the point where they sat him Sunday. We're just like, look, we're going to give you a day. Plus they had the day off Monday to like sort of he, his. The, the thing that's weird about Kenley right now is his stuff is there and the movement is there on the cutter. He has just absolutely zero command. So that's usually like um, 
you know, they'll work on mechanics. And once he, he gets that right, he'll probably be fine. So if the if it was if his velocity was like way down or he didn't have like energy or something, you'd, there's more reason to be worried. Um, so like it's it's definitely a problem, but I think it's a fixable problem. Like in relatively soon, because like basically if they don't have if they don't have Jansen like at the top of his game, they're not doing anything. So it doesn't really matter. So you have to sort of get him right. Um, so. That's, that's sort of where they're at. But, yeah, just to sum up the bullpen there. Uh, so there was a 16-game stretch uh, when Jansen was out. And then once Jansen came back, um, it was 16 games. There were 11 games where the bullpen, like, screwed up in, in a sense, right? They, they either allowed the tying or go-ahead run late. Uh, they had three blowout wins. And then there was one 5-2 loss and one 7-3 win. So it was, like, a really weird stretch Um of games and then like the bullpen in that stretch their overall era was 488 which is like bad but it's not like oh my god what a sieve of a bullpen like and so like the timing of everything is just super weird Uh, and it's just it's just been terrible like i even looked up um it's kind it's really hard to look this up like break it down by reliever and starter and stuff but um so in that 16 game stretch from the beginning with the series in colorado through the padres series um the Dodge against Dodger relievers, uh, batters in runner with runners in scoring position were hitting 190, 333 on base, 333 slugging. That's not very good, and yet they still gave up all those runs. So it's like it's like um, every every it's like every hit or every um, instance that happened, it was like it was all consolidated in like the worst possible time. So that's sort of what contributed to them, you know, having that sort of bad streak. So we're recording this on August 28th, so only a few days left in this month. Uh, real quick question before we get to September call-ups and how that can maybe help the bullpen and kind of form a late September slash hopefully playoff push um, kind of bullpen progression. Uh, it's also the uh, non-revocable waiver deadline. Do you think the Dodgers have any shot of anything impactful there, or is it just going to kind of be passed by and we'll look at the call-ups? Yeah, we so we had the, the thing where um, uh, Bryce Harper was placed on waivers, and it was reported that the Dodgers were the team that claimed him, but then the, they couldn't work um, um, anything out. So that never came. I don't think that was that was unlikely anyway. <laughs> but like, just in, uh, it doesn't seem like there's going to be an impact person, but you never really know. Like, I would, they, I would imagine they're scouring for like any sort of backup catcher right now, just given how bad Austin Barnes has been hitting. Um, I know just in general, like backup catchers are terrible. Um, and Barnes <laughs> does provide enough, like, you know, framing um, defense, but he's not much of a thrower. Uh, so, like, I would imagine if there's someone like a catcher who's serviceable, they're probably looking into it. But uh, other than that, it's hard to see what any kind of impact player they could bring on. Um, but we have a few days. Who, who knows? But uh, they did sign um, Zach McAllister to a minor league deal, but like he, he's been bad this year. Uh, and he, he was, um, he opted out, I think of his deal with Detroit. He was released by Cleveland earlier. Um, but he throws hard, but he's just been hit, been hit hard this year and not very good. So that's like a pipe dream, I think at this point, but they're just taking a flyer on him, but it's basically like the ones they've been taking up, like Eric Goodell, Dylan Floro. Sometimes it'll work. Sometimes it won't, you don't know. But I think it's more that level right now. It's hard to see them sort of adding uh, much, you know, before September. But on the flip side, what we were mentioning before, in September call-ups, there are quite a few impact uh, players uh, that could come up. Uh, who who should we expect the Dodgers to call up? Who do we should we expect to make maybe, a, you know, a positive fraction of a war in September? And who, if anyone, can we expect to see in, on the September ro- or, excuse me, the playoff roster? Yeah, so I think it's it, it, a lot of this is like pipe dream type stuff again. Like, um, you know, the big name is Julio Urias. Um, he's been um, pitching for Rancho, uh, and they actually his his rehab was going to be up this week. Uh, he get thirty days of rehab. Uh, they and it was before September, so they actually optioned him. Uh, so he can't be up before the third. But it doesn't sound like he's going to be up before then anyway. He pitched on Monday. He's only he went to two innings, but. He's been pitching like every five or six days, so I can't. He doesn't strike me, given uh, how much he has to do to warm up. Um, he doesn't. He's not going to be a guy who's like a, a seventh or eighth inning guy. 
I think he's going to be more of a piggyback guy if he's on the playoff roster. And I think at this point, you, you still have to consider it a long shot. Um, so I, he's basically only going every four or five days. So I don't think you can – he's basically on a starter's regiment, but still not, you know, uh, stretched out. So, like, he's – I think he's he's more of a – like a piggyback reliever at this point. Uh, and I don't think you can expect much more than that from him. Uh, and I, he's – Dave Roberts, I think, said today he's going to make one or two more minor league starts. So you're looking at, like, second week of September um, is probably when he might come up. Uh, the other reliever who's, like, close to ready is Josh Fields. Um, he's been on a rehab assignment. He gave up a couple home runs the other night, uh, but he hasn't pitched since like, um, June and, uh, he had a shoulder thing. So he, they're going to take it slow, I think with him. So he's not going to be up right away. Um, but you know, he could be a guy like first, second week of September also up, but like, like I said, these are, I mean, they could be impact guys. They might not. Ross Stripling was on the DL with a back thing. Uh, he's going to be activated, I think, Saturday. That's the plan, which is September 1st. So, Yeah, uh, I, I was out. kind of including them uh, in this, even though it's not not really yeah. in the same vein as a well, sep- normal September call-up, but they're taking advantage of the expanded roster. So basically, like, what their plan, it seems to me, is is like to have their sort of um, their starters, like, in the bullpen, you, uh, basically Kenta Maeda, Ross Stripling, and Caleb Ferguson. Um and then you have bait and just see what else works. Like Scott Alexander for sure is going to be in your playoff pen. Um, Dylan Floro has been pitching pretty well. He's going to probably be in the playoff pen. And then after that, it's like, see what you have, you know, um, as it stands now, like Alex Woods, probably the odd man out if all five starter, other starters are healthy. So he could be in the bullpen. <laughs> like, uh, and if Urias is, is like a piggyback guy, then you, you, you know, your bullpen gets a little better that way. I think, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see this final month, but I, I think other than that, uh, I don't really know about um, Tony Singrani. I don't think he's throwing anywhere yet. So it's at this point, I think I, he's for me. He's in the he's like um, sight unseen, or, or just he's out of sight, out of mind. I guess at this point. So I don't expect much from him unless I hear otherwise. But um, and then Dennis Santana, he just threw a. A bullpen, I think, the other day, I, they can't possibly expect anything from him, like, meaningful down the stretch. So I don't think mm. you're going to get much more help than that. Brock Stewart's going to be up, you know, but he's just more of a backup guy. Um, Adam Libertor, I don't really know how he's been doing. So it's not a lot of impact, guys. I mean, the set is a, it's, it's really depending on those starters flourishing in the bullpen role, and especially Maeda and Stripling. So that's sort of their, their plan uh, going forward. So that covers the um, pitching. Are there any bats that could come up and if not make a huge impact or if not make the playoff roster, at least, you know, kind of get their cup of coffee, show up in either a pinch inning or sort of a spot start role? Yeah, so the three that come to mind for me, and then this sort of ties in, uh, Richard Bustos asked, uh, will Verdugo finally get a chance to stick with the Dodgers this September? I mean, that's like a weird way to put it, I think, because – he, I mean, he's here. I mean, he's on the team. Like, so stick is a, I don't know if he's going to stick with them in September. Like he's going to definitely be up in September and like long-term, I think he has a shot. Um, but like this, this all goes into like, what are they going to do this off season type of a thing? Like, uh, we'll see Verdugo to me, um, given how the sort of roster is constructed, like there's, uh, there's a lot of power and there's a lot of like, uh, they don't they they don't swing at balls out of the zone a lot, and they take a lot of pitches, but they also strike out a lot. And like Verdugo, and like their batting average is relatively low. And I know that's that can like fluctuate, but I think adding a, a just a uh, a different type of hitter like Verdugo, who's more of a higher average, you sacrifice a little bit of power, but I think that power will come. He's still only twenty two. Um, I think, and plus with his arm. And defense in the outfield, I think that would help. So I think he's a guy you could sort of find a way to get into your outfield and sort of improve it a little bit. Um, so for me, he's sort of the guy who like could make an impact. Andrew Tolls fits that as well, you know, because we've seen him. He's been up and he's been on playoff roster uh, for them before. Um, so uh, I don't know. I was looking. This is again before the Tuesday game. 
but basically like the whole outfield outside of Cody Bellinger has been struggling since the break. Like, um, uh, Yasiel Puig is, has like, he's 260, 318, 442. He's the only one of the five, um, that has an on-base percentage above 300. And you're talking like camp, he's 299, Kike's 289, although he was three for three tonight. Uh, Taylor was 295, Peterson 284. So like, it's a really struggling group right now. Um, Dodgers outfield as a whole in August coming into uh, Tuesday night was hitting 234, 307, 407. And like I said, almost all that was Cody Bellinger, who's been on fire. Um, so I think you, you can make a case that, you know, Verdugo could get some playing time in September and that, you know, in theory could could play into October. Uh, Tolls is probably the same way. But like, uh, I think that's it. And then like Kyle Farmer will definitely be up and I don't know how anxious they are to have him actually catch games, but as just we've shown, they've shown the ability to use him as a pinch hitter, and they like doing that. And of course, Chase Utley will be healed by Saturday on September first, so he'll be activated too. So, and he's the leading pinch hitter on the team, so they'll have options off the bench. Um, that's the, but that's basically like the plan. Those those like three plus Utley are going to be the additions. This is a very uh, Twitter level question, and I realize that even though it's coming from me. Um, you you mentioned how uh, badly Barnes has been struggling. Is Will Smith an option at all? No, because okay. he's been he's been struggling pretty bad too. Um, in fact, I don't have it in front of me. I'll, it's I'll bad. Pull it up I looked it up. <laughs> I have it here uh, oh, in yeah. AAA. What? He has OPSing three seventy nine. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's rough, but. <laughs> but but he did really well in Tulsa. You know, I just figured like, yeah. You know, I have seen stranger call ups in my day, but yeah, I, I figured that was the case. Well, and then the other issue too is so the Dodgers are full on the forty man right now. Oh, okay. Uh, Fields is on the sixty day, um, so when he comes up, they'll have to they have to do a move. Uh, and then like then you you look at all fairness to Rob Segedin, but he has a forty man spot, and you could argue that he probably shouldn't. Uh, you know, Pat Venditti, they've been using it mostly just in blowouts. Uh, if they had to, to do something, he could be a, a fall guy as well. So they, they have some uh, options, I think. Um, and then um, maybe like Danielson, he sort of has his second straight, like uh, forearm elbowish type thing. So maybe he's a guy, if, if, he, if his injury is worse than expected, he could go 60 day. So I'm not sure, but they have some options, but like, I don't, I don't think you're going to be to a point where, uh, they just start calling up guys who aren't on the 40 man just yet, especially for like Will Smith. He doesn't have to even be, um, he doesn't have to, have to be added to the 40 man this winter. So I don't think they're going to rush that at all. Makes sense. Well, we don't have any questions from Craig, but I came up with three questions that I think uh, are fit the vein, vein of it, if you're ready for them. Yeah, let's do it. We've had a, I, if Craig has asked us a sim- very similar question to this, if not almost exactly, but I wanted to bring it back up. I mentioned that I've had two almost opportunities lately at a 20-inning game. Uh, the Dodgers one was tied going to the ninth, and I thought possibly the offenses could struggle. Um, and then I was at a Kansas City-Detroit game, too. I texted you about this, that I, just looking at the, the averages and the stats that they were coming up on both the offenses that night were horrific, just horrible historic levels of bad uh so i was excited and it was a tie game going to the knife but uh the immovable object won and uh Uh the kansas city bullpen gave up like i think four or five doubles in a row and just blew it so uh didn't get it there is there any i know you share that right you want you're in the 20 inning camp with me right like i've said this uh covering games like that i want to cover a 20 inning game and and like if I say it out loud, like I'm going to be pelted by people in the press box because no, no, nobody there wants that. But I do. I, I want to. I think uh, the longest I got to was it was either 14 or 15. I think it was ago, a 14 but, for me. Yeah, and so I want. I do. I definitely want a 20 inning game. Uh, it's just I don't. It's hard to get there now because the way relievers are used and they're they're almost all one inning. And, yeah, so the Dodgers um, had a game that kind of looked like it was heading there, um, and it's the one Kiki the, Hernandez yeah. pitched. And in the like, 16th. 
Yeah, so, and it was yeah. like, ooh, and you know, Rich Hill was gonna go warm up. You're like, oh, they're gonna bring Rich Hill in for like three or four innings. This is it. This could be it. Yeah, and they're like, I, nah. <laughs> I only think he would have been available for maybe one because it was his throw day. You know, I, I two I, two at the most. I, 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 I spoke with hope. I spoke with hope, man. Like I well, wanted and then it this, bad. And then like Caleb Ferguson was out that day, but like after a certain point, like I don't know, but the teams are just too quick to go to that position player well now. So like. I think um, you'd have to have a crazy game where, like, the Dodgers would have went to a position player, but then also the, the, they give up runs and they'd, they'd tie it somehow in the, the bottom of the inning, and then it would just go on like that. To, it, it would be weird to get 20. Like, you'd have to have at least, like, one extra inning where both teams scored or, or the same amount of runs or something like that. It'd have to be super weird. Well, we can we can hope. Is there anything else on your weird baseball bucket list? That's my question for you. Um, I almost had another one where to, uh, at Monday um, they Dave Roberts had substituted Grandall for um, Barnes, and and at Barn excuse me and Grandall's first or second at bat he got he started jawing with the ump over balls and strikes, and I was like, "This oh, is right. it, Kiki, Kiki the catcher, it's gonna happen." And then they 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 broke yeah. it off. So um, I. Th- that I don't like. That's lesser. I mean, it's okay, but like, I, I don't know. I I sort of like those more in the abstract that, um, than like watching him. So I think, you know, covering a doubleheader, I've done. Um, that's a long day, especially if it's a split doubleheader. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I'm trying to think. Um, like walk off inside the park home run or something. See that in person. That'd be sweet. Uh, I don't know. I, other than that, it's hard. It's hard to really say. Yeah, I'll stick to twenty in game. The mo- biggest thing I want to see is like, because I think it does depend on the park. Because I've been to games that go in the tenth and eleventh, and I've some basically all the food stands have closed, and I've been to some where like there's a hot dog stand still open or two, and that would be key. Huh. I want my eighteenth inning Dodger dog. Yeah, you can't. Uh, yeah, it can't be like where you're just going. I'm so hungry. <laughs> You're like fighting. You're like, also, if it want, gets to weird know. baseball, we need an ice cream stand open. So yeah, you kind of have to. And yeah. then, yeah. So, so next question, movie, stay sticking to sports, but changing sports. Uh, you're, you're a fan of the Los Angeles Lakers. Yes. What do you think they're, give me how many wins do you think they'll have? And what seed, if any, will they have in the playoffs? Um, yeah, I still, I have to say, like it, you know, no matter what's going to happen, like LeBron is great. There's oh, no question about that. Is that, is that um, the case? So it's just it always takes time to gel something new. So I have a feeling they're going to start really badly. Like um, even like I remember when the Heat did the first, like they did the super team, and everyone's like, "Oh my god!" Uh, and like they were like eight and nine or something to start. They ended up still winning like I think sixty games or something. It was it was crazy. But um, so I think. Um, I don't think the ceiling is too high this year in the regular season, like wins department. Um, they might still like put something together by the end of the year, but I want to say like, I want to say like 48 wins and like the sixth seed. I think the West is going to be kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, That sounds aggressive to me, but maybe LeBron, LeBron, you're you're probably right. Right. I'm, I'm sort of banking on LeBron somehow finding a way to get in at least. So who is the Lakers, uh, third, best score third highest Ugh. by the end of the year and why is it lance stevens <laughs> um that is a good question that, not lance Stevenson. yeah well i I'm mean Rajon, i don't know how to say his name rajon rondo on threes alone no okay. i don't know um uh i mean i kind of want to say josh hart but i don't i don't know i i don't i don't think that's the that's case. a very lakers fan answer <laughs> no but like because like you figure like um like kuzma is going to be no you know what it's going to be hmm i oh man this is tough so let's go with let's go with ingram you okay? I, yeah, I, because I think Kuzma will be second. Okay. I, I, I had Ingram as second, but I, I would not be surprised to see what you say. Uh, Pacers will have 50 wins. I, I, the the I, fourth yeah. seed in the East. Yeah. Not that anyone listening to this cares about the Pacers, but I do, so I'll say they'll that. They'll knock off the Celtics in the second round, so I'm, I'm going to be rooting for them. So. 
Uh, that'd be nice. I'd take it. Yeah. Last question. And you can give me multiple answers if you need to in sort of increasing <laughs> waves or increasing <laughs> tiers of desperation. Let's say you're on a road trip. It's late, late-ish, say 9, 9.30, maybe 10. Uh, you're on your way back. You need to stop for food, but you are on a road trip in the middle of nowhere. So you're, we're not... We're not yelping for a great place here, and time is right. of the essence. So you ha- you're going to make a fast food stop. The, uh, we are out. You are not in In-N-Out or Whataburger or Sheets sure. or Wawa territory. Okay. Uh, we're talking firm national chains. What is what are you hoping to see on a roadside sign in terms of what place you're stopping at, and what is your order? Um. I well, I mean, McDonald's is always going to have something. So McDonald's, so the two places I have as like, you're almost always going to run into it, um, but may or may not be what you actually want are, are Taco Bell yeah. and McDonald's. So, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I will, I will accept those two because that's that's. But you know, like, some like, maybe you're rooting for something. I would hope you're rooting for something else, but maybe not. Yeah, no, I mean, I probably am. Like, I, I would probably prefer like a. Um, a Carl's Jr. slash Hardee's, if if it's right, we're depending where we are in the yeah. And so, I mean, I mean, I kind of like um, like you shouldn't get fries anyway. But like, if I'm if I'm at this desperate hour and I'm making bad decisions, like I'm probably gonna get fries. So, sure. uh, so I I would take Burger King off because their fries are terrible. Oh, um, I disagree. So uh, they're just like this. Well, weird, McDonald's like, fries are trash. People. Shock. People are blinded by nostalgia when it comes to McDonald's fries. But it, it's also, I think they've just perfected the science of like, here is this pure salt bomb, <laughs> like sure. enjoy it, you know. Sure. But um, but yeah. So, but I don't know. So if I'm at, like, um, I like I would um, like Burger King's burgers and Carl's Jr.'s burgers more than McDonald's. But sure. like, I think if I went to McDonald's like for just for a quickie thing, I'd probably just get like a ten piece McNuggets. Sure. And like, and probably a fries and a drink. So um, I can't stand anything from McDonald's except for sausage yeah. biscuits. Um, oh, nice. Okay. Uh, so when they were in the, no no breakfast after ten thirty or whatever ridiculous stance it was, I had this exact scenario. Where I was in Iowa. Um, <laughs> now I guess I just 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 crossed the Missouri border and pulled over at one in the morning, and the only thing open was McDonald's, and I ordered a ten piece uh, McNugget. And I had two, and I'm starving oh. at this point, and I couldn't finish it. I thought they were yeah, that, that bad. I I guess you could get. There's a scenario where those are can be really bad, and probably a lot. Like, yeah. but I think this we're, we're talking like okay, these are I have very limited options here, so I, I think yeah. that's what I would do. You're stuck um, to national chains. If I'm at Taco Bell, I'm probably getting like. Um, just like just three tacos and a and a diet diet Mountain Dew. Sure. That I I will I will give a nod to Taco Bell because they have Diet Mountain Dew and like no other place does. Sure. Um, so I like that. I might, um, I guess depending, like I might throw in a bean burrito. Like I, I tend to stick to the value type stuff there. Um, and then like an enchilada is probably like the most like frivolous thing I would get. <laughs> but like I'm looking at that, it's basically like I think it's just a more melty soft taco. Sure, and it's like it's like three times the cost. So I'm like, I don't know why I get that. <laughs> so that's that's, their, that's their, the Taco Bell quesadilla, which I like a lot, but it's so expensive compared yeah. to everything else. Yeah, but yeah. The, my I used to Taco Bell used to be a once a year thing for me. Um, sure, that I always regretted, but they have uh, the chicken chipotle griller, dollar eighty, delicious. Oh, nice. And, okay, and not does not make me feel terrible afterwards. <laughs> so that's my. It's my new secret order when I'm in this kind of kind of situation. I'm a big fan of the Doughboys podcast. You know, I try not to eat fast food a lot, but you know, sometimes you do. Um, but they—that's their whole premise—is they do chain restaurants, and they're, they're just two comedians, Nick Weiger and Mike Mitchell. Uh, but they're they're really funny, and like they can talk about anything. And it's just they're going to be funny no matter what. So, but it, it started off, you know, they're basically they do like all they they actually fun like famously haven't done mcdonald's yet like they're but they're planning to do it this year they've been around for like three over three years i think mm-hmm. but um they're really fun and like they 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 do like like a lot of things and they and they're they're they don't um 
they don't kind of crap on the on the chains, you know. Like they they know they they exist for what they are, and yeah. like they, they oh, no, exactly gotta, so. Got to appreciate there's no it properly. Iron, yeah, there's no like irony or anything like that. So it's fun. It's a fun podcast. So I like listening to that. Um, outside of those, it, like say, let's let's just go down the list here. So if I'm at Burger King, uh, probably just getting like a double cheeseburger or two. I, yep. I would correct. I, I stray correct. I stray from the fries there. Uh, like I just don't like I probably. I don't. I, their onion rings are okay, but they're not like. Eh. I think I would just get the burgers there, um, and then if I'm at Carl's or Hardee's, um, I guess if they had the deal where it's like two Western bacon cheeseburgers, all of that. Then again, that's like a lot, so I'd probably try to stick to one. And the the healthier thing to go with there, which is still pretty good, is the charbroiled chicken sandwich, uh, the barbecue, but. Uh, I usually get it with light barbecue sauce or none, which is weird because it's basically just a chicken, just like plain chicken. But they like sort of cook it in barbecue sauce, so it's it still has flavor. Um, just in terms, like you're all everything there is bad, but like if that's less bad than most stuff. So um, I would probably get something like that. They have Chris cut fries, uh, which is good, and their onion rings are really good. So you know, mix it up like that. But yeah, you're you're kind of in a, in a you just make bad decisions out late. I'm, I'm assuming there's probably a Jack in the box, uh, pro, like, uh, option as well. They have really trashy food. Oh too. yeah. It's great. You're, 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 I know. Yeah. It, you know, it depends on how hungry you are and what mood you're in. But, um, yeah, I, I used to like the tacos at Jack in the box, even though they're like, they're the American cheese tacos, right? Yeah. They're super odd. And, I think there there might be tofu in them. I don't know if that's an urban legend or not, but like <laughs> they're just like really bad good. Like that's that's how I would describe it. So, uh, but yeah, I haven't got those in forever. Um, I don't know. Uh, I actually like if 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 it's like a really quick thing and it's not like a full meal, uh, I wouldn't mind the um, the egg rolls at Taco Bell. Sure. Um, there it's just like a quick thing, but still not the best. No, I think those are good what, answers. Yeah. What about you? You. you uh, have any... I am rooting for an Arby's first. Their sliders oh, and Arby's. curly fries. Wow. Okay. I used to hate Arby's, but their non-roast beef options I've become quite a fan of. And I, I their curly like fries their are, are top tier. Um, I don't mind the roast beef. Um, the ch- roast beef and cheddar is just an unnatural I, I, thing. It is. I just for some reason I don't like their cheese. Yeah. That, no. That's what I, that's what I meant. With the, yeah. Oh. Yeah. The, the the roast beef and cheese is just this unnatural, unholy yeah. thing. And it's gross. And, and like, I, I can handle the roast beef a little bit. Uh, and then they, if you put Arby sauce on it, I, or horsey sauce, or both, that's fine. Um, so, yeah, these are good. <laughs> now you got to be talking about fast food. This I know. Is we go do, we'll do a new podcast. Just, just <laughs> let you talk about Wendy's for a little bit. Oh, man, we didn't even go to Wendy's. Yeah. <laughs> Next <laughs> episode. Next episode. <laughs> All right. Well, that's. I guess that's it. Uh, we uh, by next week we'll know who the September columns are, at least the initial ones, uh, and have a better idea of who's coming after them. Um, the Dodgers have this weird um, road trip where they're only gone for two games and they're back home. So, uh, but yeah, next week uh, we'll hear, see you again, and uh, we'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening, everybody.